Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Let's Sleep On It, Reclaiming Parenthood, the podcast. And I'm your host, Taylor Kulik, a sleep and well-being specialist and occupational therapist. My mission with this podcast is to examine the parenting narratives that dominate our culture and grow together as parents. Here, we will talk about biological infant sleep, as well as many other parenting-related topics. And you'll also hear real empowering journeys from parents who are parenting against the grain. I hope that you walk away from each episode feeling inspired, empowered, and supported. Please remember that none of the information shared in this podcast is medical advice, and you should always speak with a trusted healthcare provider if you have any concerns. Let's dive into today's episode. I want to share with you guys one of my all-time favorite companies. I'm passionate about this company. I've been using them for over three years, and they make some of the cleanest and most affordable personal care products for the entire family, personal care and wellness products. So they have herbal remedies and tinctures. They have personal care products. My husband and myself use their deodorant on a daily basis. And most recently, they've launched a home care cleaning line, which we now have transitioned pretty much all of our cleaning products over to their their cleaning products. So we use their cleaning spray and their dishwasher detergent and their laundry detergent and their dishwashing soap. And we have been so impressed with not only the quality and simplicity of their products, but also the affordability and small company, family-owned company experience that we get when we shop with them. So the company is Earthly and they are just phenomenal. You can go shop at earthly.com and earthly is spelled E-A-R-T-H-L-E-Y.com slash R-E-F slash T Kulik. Alternatively, you can thank me for your checkout. Um, Thank you. Thank me for your order in the checkout section. And you can use the code Taylor10 to save 10% off your first order. Hi, everyone. Welcome. I'm so excited about today's guest. We have here today Andrea Olson of Go Diaper Free, who is an expert on elimination communication. She is a mom of five babies, all out of diapers by walking, hardly a poopy diaper, no potty training required, and she has taught hundreds of thousands of other parents how to do elimination communication, also known as EC with their babies too at Go Diaper Free. She also has a wonderful line of tiny undies and small potties for when those babies get out of diapers early. She lives in Asheville, North Carolina. So excited to have Andrea here today with us. Elimination communication is one of those topics that I have heard about it a lot. I have done, as I'll as I'll share in this episode, I've done, I've dabbled in it a little bit with my kids, um, but really have not fully dived into it. Have not full has not fully learned about it. Um, and it's one of those areas that I've learned is really linked with sleep and can help sleep. And so it's another piece of the sleep puzzle that I am not an expert in, but Andrea will be able to tell us a little bit more about that. And I'm so excited to learn from her. I know you guys will also learn so much from her. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Andrea, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to hear what you have to share with everybody that's listening. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you, Taylor. Yeah, of course. So Andrea, can you just start by maybe for those that don't know you, can you just introduce yourself a little bit and kind of tell us who you are, how you got started and what you do? Absolutely. So I'm a mom of five kids. 
that I had over eight years. <clears throat> a very, very rapid session. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Um, but the magical thing is that none of them were in diapers longer than a year. They were all out of diapers by walking. Um, I hardly had to change a poopy diaper, and they didn't require any potty training at all. So, um, and I probably saved about 10 grand on diapers. I, I like to calculate that. I'm like, well, yeah, 3000 a kid. And I, I did it in mm-hmm. about a third of the time. And I did all this by not pressuring them and not, um, doing rewards or coercion at all. I just aligned myself with the way nature and God intended our children to be taken to the bathroom from birth. So I started at birth with all of them. And, um, since starting with my first son 11 years ago, I have taught over hundreds of thousands of other parents how to do this. And it's called elimination communication or EC. And, um, other than that, I live in Asheville. I have like a mini farm here. I've got hens and roosters and dogs and everything. And like we do homeschool and try to live as connected a life as possible, which is why I'm so excited to be on your show because I love all the stuff that you are about. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's so awesome. I love hearing that. And I'm really jealous as you're talking like, wow, you like, you didn't have to really potty train any of your children. And I am so interested. I've been interested in elimination communication, um, for a while now. I think somebody told me about it when my first, who's now four was a baby. Um, and like I taught, I've me and Andrea, we've talked a little bit. I was on your podcast too. And we talked about this, but, um, I kind of did part time with her. Not like, I wouldn't say it was true elimination communication. Cause I really didn't look into it much. And I didn't really understand how to like read her cues and things like that. But I did start sitting her on the potty, um, at six months old. And like for all diaper changes, I would sit her on the potty. And we got to a point with her where she was only pooping in the potty pretty much, um, which was amazing. And she ended up not being fully potty trained until she was around three, but it happened so quickly. It basically happened overnight. One day I was just like, you know, my son had just been born and I said, okay, no more diapers. We have to use those because we were cloth diapering at the time. We have to use those cloth diapers for your brother. So you're going to use potty. And it happened within a day or two. Um, And so that was really great, but I do wish I had done more of elimination communication intentionally. And now with my son, who's 18 months old, we never really did it because we were in a lot of transition for the first year and a half of his life. Like we've moved across the country, renovated a house. We were living with my mother-in-law for six months. So it was just chaotic. We didn't have the little potty, you know, we didn't have my cloth, our cloth diapers. So, um, I've now started trying to get him on the potty more and following some of your strategies, but I'm just not, I'm not there yet where I can like fully commit to it. Um, because he does not like the potty, but I really wish I had known more about elimination communication when he was a baby. And so I'm hoping to learn more if we do have another child to do it with them. So can you just tell us the basics? What is elimination communication? Absolutely. And first, I just want you to forgive yourself and anybody who is listening to this because you only know what you know when you know it. It is so overwhelming mm-hmm. to be a new mom anyway. And especially, I think you mentioned you have high needs kids. And with that on top yeah. of everything else, it's really a challenge, which is where I come in. Like if you find me before you are golden, you're going to be fine. Like I make it very simple and very just doable in tiny chunks. I met this woman here in Asheville the other day and she gave me a big hug. She's like, Oh my gosh, you changed everything. I got, I have both your books. I'm like, really cool. And she goes, yeah, but I didn't get your books until after 18 months. 
And mm-hmm. I learned from this other book and it had to be all or nothing. And I shouldn't use diapers at all from birth, from day one. And if I did, I was a bad mom. I mean, it was like terrible. And then yeah. I trained at 18 months with my book. And she was like, I read your other one just to see what I missed. And she's like, it was so much easier. You were like, it's okay if you don't do it. If you only do what you did, Taylor, that actually counted. So you did an exposure technique, which part of EC, you could, this is like the bare bones. If you just do one offer a day of the potty, then when you go to potty train, when you're ready as the parent, it's super easy. That's why it happened in a day because you exposed her to the potty from six months old. So bravo. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> I think yeah. that's amazing. Um, with your other one, you've been moving around and everything. Of course you haven't gotten to this because if you don't really start at the beginning, it becomes harder to do it. So with your third baby, hopefully someday, you'll be able to start from the beginning and to see how it just naturally becomes part of your parenting. But to answer your question about EC, what is it? So think about uh, what people did before diapers. I just want everybody listening to think about that. Think about, you know, before there was sliced bread, before there were toaster ovens, like what Mm -hmm. did people do? Well, babies were not just peeing and pooping all over the cave. They weren't soiling everything because we wouldn't have survived this long. There would be no way that human beings would be walking the earth because the disease would have taken over. So babies are actually born wanting to have good hygiene like every mammal. So um, we are born with instincts. So you know when you hold a little baby puppy and they start to wriggle out of your arms and then you put them down on the carpet and they pee on it. That's exactly mm-hmm. how we are also made. So babies will wriggle and cry and you won't know what's going on because you're a new mom. And then finally you figure out that they're wet or soiled and they, you tried the breast, you tried sleep, you tried everything, pacifier, whatever, and nothing worked to get them to stop crying because they were crying to ask you to take the diaper off so they could go not on themselves. So mm-hmm. once you know that, it's hard to not know it. And I don't want anybody to feel guilty, but like you can do something about it. Zero to 18 months, we do EC. Um, babies usually stop signaling around four months old because when they start to get mobile, they could just crawl out of your hut into the outer space where everybody else goes with the older kids and they wouldn't need you. So they kind of stop signaling a little bit when they start crawling. But we can do EC knowing their natural timing, um, knowing our transition times. Like I'm all about convenience and I'm a little bit lazy too because I have five kids. Like I need to do minimal, minimalist parenting. Like what's the bare minimum here? And um, when I just peg potty time on times of the day that work for me, It is so easy to integrate it, like add a diaper change like you did. When they wake up, when they poop, those are three of the four easy catches. Literally, once you catch something during one of those times, you'll be like, okay, I'm hooked. How do I do do more? How do I do this? Yeah. Um, The other thing I want to say is between 12, so do you follow Montessori at all? A little bit, yeah. So it can be overwhelming to try to integrate all the Montessori things into your house, but the thought process that Maria Montessori had about potty training was at 12 months old, you put them into cloth training pants, and then by 18 months old, they're done, and they train as a group in the class. Mm. So she called this the sensitive period for toilet learning. Now, when we think about it, where do we get the messaging about potty training today? We get it from the giant diaper corporations who want our money through pull-ups, five, six years of pull-ups. Yeah. So they tell us not to pressure our kids. They tell us to wait for readiness. 
Um, they tell us to use their diapers and leave them in them for 12 hours unless they poop. You don't have to change it. They tell us how to parent. And I know that you're really opposed to that too. Like any mm -hmm. corporation or government telling us what to do with our babies is straight up wrong. But they have doubled the potty training age in two generations through exquisite marketing because nobody wanted their stinking diapers. You cloth diapers. You've used disposables too. Like they don't want... They, babies and moms didn't want them. So they had to come up right. with something else that they made, you know, all the science and say, okay, parents, you got to wait for readiness. It simply isn't true. Our instincts and even our hormones, like when a baby wakes up, EC is based on their natural rhythms, right? Our hormones, the ADH hormone wears off and the bladder fills when we wake up. Every single human, unless you're very old and incontinent, <laughs> everybody else, mm -hmm. including babies, just have to go when they wake up. So we just align ourselves and try to learn how babies are made and then help team up with them until they start walking. And then we stop using diapers and it's like easy like your experience with your daughter, but half the time or a third of the time. Yeah. That's about it. That's the nutshell. That was like a really long answer. I'm sorry, but I, I love talking about it because it's like the best thing in the world. Yeah. It's really cool. I'm really fascinated by it. When you told me, I think I, I had heard this before, not from you, but from someone else who was talking, who I think first exposed me to elimination communication that, um, the average age of toilet training ha or when a child is out of diapers has gone up so much just in the last, you know, however many, a couple decades. Um, I was just amazed by that. And it really makes total sense. And, and like you said, yeah, I'm totally like, if I hear something that it like is kind of controlling in a way, trying to encourage parents to make certain decisions. And it there's, it's for financial gain. I'm going to question that. And I want to do the opposite. Um, so I'm, I'm so, yeah, I'm so interested about it. So how did you learn about elimination communication? Um, when I was in California in my twenties, I heard a friend of a friend did not use diapers and they potty their baby in the sink. And I was like, cool, whatever that is, I'm doing it. Cause when I was 11, I babysat and I hated changing poopy diapers. I was like, I will never, I actually thought I was never going to have a kid because of poopy diapers. It was just so disgusting. The whole thing. Was just yeah. Repulsed. So, um, and I was also staying with a friend at the time in California who was like the perfect mom, attachment, parenting, baby wearing, breastfeeding on demand, natural birth, everything. And she did not choose to do EC because um, she also felt overwhelmed and she just thought in her head that it was different and, and a lot more complicated than it actually is. And I watched her child. I went there once a month for 10 months. So I watched her child from two to three just struggle with potty training. It wasn't easy like it was for you because she'd never introduced the potty until two. And this baby seemed so traumatized. And I was like, okay, I could do what my friend, the perfect mom is doing. Or I could really figure this out, whatever my friend is doing. So if I ever become pregnant, I'm going to do that. And sure enough, when I became pregnant, I read all the books on it. And then I got it. I was like, oh, this is why my perfect mom friend didn't do it. Because those books did not make any sense. Mm -hmm. It was like a foreign language. And so when my son came, I really just committed to figuring it out and making that, like he was super fussy. It reduces fussiness. I was baby wearing him all the time anyway. It just made it easier in our lives to also potty him. And I really figured it out. And then everybody started asking me how I did it. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to make a pamphlet. And then it turned into a book and it turned into Go Diaper Free, which is like our massive worldwide community of people who are like, yeah, I'm not going to do as I'm told. I'm going to do what feels right to me. And any level of EC, like just half-ass exposure, fine. Just like once every other day, that's what they want to do just to get the poops. Great. 
it works. And then if they want to do like full on like I did, I didn't catch every pee, but I was aware of it all the time. And I was definitely committed to, okay, at walking, we're just going to stop using diapers like grandma did. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to figure it out because if I couldn't buy another diaper or wash one, what would I do? So that's, that's kind of the story behind how I heard about it. And then I was like, I'm just, I, I learned while I was pregnant. So I did have definitely an advantage there, but it was like all my inspiration for making my book to be like as multimedia as possible because it was super hard to learn. I was completely like, I don't get it. Like, what do I do? Just tell me what to do. That's all I want to know. Yeah. 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 So, you know, last time we talked, you brought up some really good points about how this relates to biological sleep. And, you know, this is a topic that I just find really interesting because it's a piece of the sleep puzzle that I don't fully understand. Um, And so can you talk more about that, that link with sleep and how elimination, elimination communication can help with sleep or impact sleep? Yeah, it does. It does impact. It it impacts breastfeeding, baby wearing, everything like pop off the breast is actually a a potty signal. Not that your milk is wrong. (laughs) Something's Mm -hmm. wrong there. Um, Trying to get out of the carrier doesn't mean they hate the carrier. It just means they need to pee. Also sleep. Um, There are times when doing EC with sleep helps make sleep better. And usually that's the first four months because um, I bed shared as well for the first four months with all of them and for two full years with my first one, which wore me out. And I decided I'm I'm not going to do like when we start waking each other up in the middle of the night, I'm going to put them in a a bed in the room and then eventually in their own room. Mm -hmm. But I definitely um, found that in the first four months, every time they would wake up because of those hormones and instincts, they would need to pee. So, you know, their sleep cycles are pretty short in the beginning. So they're waking all night and you're nursing and sometimes they won't settle back to sleep. Um, And then you're like, well, you're dry. I don't know what else to do. So you nurse them some more and then they have a wet diaper and then they'll finally go to sleep. So if we can be proactive about it, if if the mom has energy to do this and if they're bed sharing, it's easier. You keep um, what I call a top hat potty, which is a, a newborn potty next to the bed. And when they wake up, they start to shift. Their sleep cycle has broken. And that hormone, antidiuretic hormone, it wears off. Their bladder fills. They're ready to go. So you can usually catch a pee with a zero to four-month-old super easy after any wake up. In the middle of the night, they relieve themselves in the top hat potty. You put their diaper back on, the same one they were wearing, because it'll be dry. Usually when a newborn wakes in the middle of the night, they're dry anyway. And then they can nurse back to sleep or however you like to do it. And they, and you've not broken that cycle of wake up, relieve yourself, get nourishment, go back to sleep. So in the first four months, it's amazing. Now we get into bumpy roads where it becomes the person's choice, like the parent's choice between like four months and 18 months. Do I want to potty at night or do I want to teach them how to sleep? I don't, I don't endorse cry it out at all. Um, with anything I'm, I wasn't that great with sleep with my kids, but then looking back, I'm like, it was good enough for me. Like it worked for me. It probably wasn't by anyone's book. And I know you really stress that, like what Mm -hmm. for you? Um, I was thinking after our last talk, I was like, actually sleep did work for me. I'm going to stop putting myself down about that. I did an all right job. Um, yeah. So from like four months to 18 months, if it helps them get back to sleep, we offer the potty. If they cry and they're wet and they don't want to, we just change the diaper and put them back to sleep. And if it gives everybody in the family more sleep, then we do EC at night. And if not, we don't. Now I had one child at 17 months. I forgot to put diapers on her at night. 
over and over again because she never used them and she was completely dry at night at 17 months. It blew my mind. I have other kids of my own who are like 26 months, never peed in their diaper at night. So I stopped using it. They would pee every night after I stopped using a diaper. So I put them back in a diaper and they would keep it dry. Like it literally mm. doesn't make any sense. It's totally by the child. Um, but there is a magical thing that I do want to mention that you can do with your child. If you know that they're peeing like, or pooping even somewhere in the night and you want to start to use the potty at night a little bit. And this is usually best for like 15 months and up. What we want to do is what, what's called a dream pee. So when we go to like our kid goes to bed at seven 30 or eight, when we go to bed at say 10 or 10 30, we would go into the room and not turn on any lights and have a mini potty there and just potty them without waking them up. And then they can sleep the rest of the night with an empty bladder. In the morning, you can also do that and just set the alarm a little earlier. And if you know they're like heavy, heavy wet in the morning, they're probably doing that within those two hours of waking up. And you can do it without waking them, get them back into bed, and then they'll really sleep. I find I get an extra hour of sleep out of them, actually, when they've relieved themselves. So that's called the Dream Pee, and that's on my podcast, the Good Diaper Free podcast. There's a whole episode on that if somebody wants to learn more about that. It's kind of like a baby step towards night training. Um, mm -hmm. but I say, yeah, at nighttime also like no guilt. I have used disposables at night. I've used compostables at night. I've used cloth at night. It's whatever helps that baby sleep the best. The way I teach EC is like, I don't want anybody to feel guilty about any choice they make. And if they want to go full on, I can teach them everything. And if they want to just do a little, I can do that. It's like, it's so flexible and lovely because our babies are born ready for it. It's just really yeah. like, how much are we able or wanting to do? including at night. So. Yeah. That's so interesting. I love the idea of the dream pee because it's similar to like the dream feed. Um, but what I keep thinking about as you're talking, it's kind of unrelated, but it's also related. Um, you know, we, I feel like as, as new parents, we have so many messages from society, from doctors, from friends, from family members that, you know, really almost take us away from tuning into our babies and following their cues. So most of what's talked about in my world, in our world is like, um, feeding cues, right. And sleep cues and things like that. We want to put them on a rigid schedule for feeding and sleeping. And that just doesn't work for babies because then when we're focused so much on the clock and the baby books, we're not focused on them. We're not focused on what cues they're giving us. And I just think it's so interesting because, you know, when we're talking about like the cues that our babies are giving us to let us know that they have to pee or they have to poop. I never, I never knew that was a thing. I never noticed my children giving me these cues as, as newborns. And it's almost like the diaper is just one more thing that's kind of masking our ability to really be attuned to our babies. And it's like this, this separation between us and parents don't even know about it because people, um, you know, for the most part, you're educating, you're out here educating, but like doctors aren't talking about this. They're, they're trusted, um, women in their lives maybe aren't talking about this. And so mothers and, you know, dads too, parents don't even know that this is something that they could be paying attention to. Absolutely. And the diaper is, it, it blocks our ability to connect with our children on that level. When you think about this, in the 50s, all kids were potty trained by 18 months. And then disposables entered the market. And now the average age is three or four. That's mm -hmm. the middle. That's the average. So we have literally told our kids, and I don't mean this, we didn't, okay, we're in a diapering culture. We don't know any better. 
This has literally been shoved down our throats in massive marketing campaigns. They're brilliant at marketing. The Pampers Institute educates pediatricians. Mm -hmm. So there's no, it's, it's obvious. You look in their books and they're like, no, they don't have sphincter control until 18 months. That's what we're teaching our nurses and our pediatricians in their books. And it's simply not true. It's just meant to sell more product. So um, that diaper is definitely keeping us from connecting. And I, sometimes I'm like, is this on purpose? Like, why Yeah. Is this, is this creating children who are meant to ignore their natural impulses and poop and pee themselves, sit with their waist and, and be taught to tolerate that? And I don't mean to make anybody guilty because it's not our fault. Right. But how have they sort of molded us into these parents who are not very connected to our kids in that level, this primal level of this really should, if our bodies are created, this should be starting at birth and this should be wrapping up by the time they're walking when you think about the way the body works. But now we are teaching our children to ignore their impulse and instinct to be clean and dry. And I wonder what the psychological implications are. And then on the same token, they're telling us that we could psychologically damage our children if we don't wait till two or three, or if we pressure them, or I'm doing the gentle parent thing. I'm not pressuring my child. I'm letting her decide when she's ready. Well, guess where that messaging comes from? It comes directly from the very first study they did in the 60s to try to convince moms to use their disposable diapers. Mm -hmm. Let's just lay it on the table. Do we really want to disconnect from our children in that way? If we have new babies coming into our family, do we want to try something different? that's not going to keep that, that tool, it, the diaper is a backup. Okay. So we use a diaper as a backup, but not a toilet. So yeah. That diaper can totally be a barrier to our connection with our babies. It goes, mm-hmm. It's not that we're better or worse if we do EC or not, but if you're aware that the diaper has only ever been meant to be a tool, even in like, like, um, when you had babies in slings, if they were in, let's take the Eskimos, for example, they have cold weather and they have papooses and they've got baby wrapped in all this stuff. They definitely used um, animal furs and mosses and stuff to absorb any kind of miss when they couldn't take their baby to the potty. So that diaper is a backup. It's Mm -hmm. meant to be a toilet. And I totally love that you, you realize you had that epiphany. It's so true. The same thing with like inserting the bottle where it may not be necessary, like formula when the mom is actually producing um, that can pull you away from your intuition like immediately and having right. your babies be in a crib in their own room from the very first day of life mm-hmm. it, it, being taken from us in the hospital and put in another another space all like it goes back that far how much of this is intentional and how much of this is um, convenience and then like if we want to not check out as a mom or a dad how can we make a choice today to, to bridge that gap and to heal those wounds and to go, okay, I'm going to hear you now. Cause like you didn't get, get your baby signals cause you weren't taught how to, it's not your fault. Um, mm-hmm. and we don't have to have signals to do EC. We just offer on a regular, like, here's the way I do routines. We don't schedule the breastfeeding. We don't schedule all that. When the baby wakes up, that's when my routine starts. And then I, I potty and I nurse and I put them in a diaper backup. 10 minutes later, they start to fuss. I know that's a signal. It happens after everybody feeds every baby. They do fuss after they nurse a little while after. That's a potty signal. Mm-hmm. So you take them. And if that's all you do and go through your routine, it counts and it's great. And the baby is like, oh my gosh, you get me. And I don't even have to talk. Like you get my baby. Yeah. You got the nursing. You've got me in your arms, which is where I need to be. 
and you've got my, like, I need to relieve myself and, and mm-hmm. have all of that in place. Like, I hope to God you have another baby someday so you can experience that. It's like, oh my goodness, all these things that we think are convenient in this world are actually keeping us from that connection. Totally agree. Yeah. Well, and you, you hit on so many things that I want to talk about. And, you know, I feel like there's so many parallels between this and that, that disconnection. I don't know, like, I can't, I can't have this conversation and know what I know about the baby industry and the societal expectations for babies that are not rooted in biology and think that this isn't intentional in some way we are not, and not we, as in me, but like we, as in general, we're fostering disconnection from parents and babies. And that is seen with sleep, whether we're talking about ignoring our baby signals and teaching them that they won't be responded to if we cry, if they cry for us. Um, and making, having parents spend more effort and focusing on the the books and the schedules and the clock than their baby. And the same is true. It seems like for, for pottying and for elimination needs, the same is true for feeding. Um, and then at the same time, I'm angered. Like I'm, I feel really frustrated right now. Like this is, this is one of the last things. Like I've, I've understood the feeding part of this. I've understood the sleeping part of this. And now I'm coming and understanding the toileting aspect of it a little late to the game because I'm four years over four years in, but I'm frustrated because it also makes it so difficult for parents who want to be in tune with their baby, who want to be connected with their baby and parenthood, new parenthood, those early months is so difficult. And there's so much to learn and so much to know. And now we have another layer because if you want to be a parent who is really connected and you want to try this different way, you have to do, it feels like you have to do so much more work and learning because you're basically unlearning and relearning everything that you've been told. And it just feels impossible. So what would you say to parents like me who, um, you know, I had a really rough first three, four, five, six months with my kids um, who were very high needs and had oral ties and all of these difficulties. And for me, even knowing that elimination communication was a thing, but not knowing a lot about it, I felt like that's just another thing on my plate that I cannot manage right now. Do you have any tips for new parents like who experienced that like I did? Absolutely. I do. It takes something off your plate while simultaneously giving you confidence as a new mom and also allowing dad to have participation because dads are awesome at pottying the baby when mommy is doing everything else. Um, So what I mean by taking something off your plate is you don't have to clean up poopy diapers almost immediately. With a newborn especially, you're basically like the first poop catch you have the second time they poop, they look toward, they try to find you when they signal. And then when they cry out, they kind of start to, you start to sync up so fast because of the way we're made to connect with each other and respond to each other. So it literally takes something off your plate. It demystifies about a third of unknown fussiness and crying. So if you have a high needs baby, it eliminates about a third of that, which is unbelievably helpful because I also Mm -hmm. like, I had to take mile and a half walks with my first son and try not to drop food on his head in order for him to nap for the first year and a half. And it was really hard. Um, but EC made him less fussy. I, I really started it two weeks in and he, I just got him better. And what it did for me when I felt like I, I did it, I felt overwhelmed. Like I couldn't, I don't know what to do. I I could do breastfeeding 
and I could do the pottying thing. I got the ins and the outs. And mm -hmm. for me as a new mom, it gave me confidence. And I've heard from so many in our community, probably every single one of them, that it just brought up their level of confidence a little bit higher and made them feel like a more effective mom and more capable. Because again, we're aligning with the baby instead of trying a gimmick on them. So yeah, can actually add something to our plate. Like, oh, another thing I have to think of is actually like once you have one catch, you can't unknow that and you kind of get addicted to it. You're like, okay, I have to like now that I know that mm -hmm. thing, I really don't want that to happen. So um, if you just and I have the four easy catches, I talk a lot about that in my book and my podcast. If you just keep it simple to just these four and that's the wake ups, the diaper changes, the poops, you can even just pick one. And the, and the last one is ins and outs. Like before they're put in the car seat, you want them to be like less fussy and more relaxed in the car seat, maybe even fall asleep, potty them first. Just offer the potty first. When you get somewhere before you're about to shop, you're about to put them in the baby carrier, you want them to be comfortable and happy in the carrier, have a potty in the car and offer there. So you get into this routine and I really help parents get into a routine because I don't want to put more on your plate. I want to take things off. And I'll give one example. And we were at this museum thing in Raleigh, North Carolina, several years ago. And I walked in with my six-month-old boy, Branson. And he had to poop, and I could tell. Um, he was in the carrier. He was struggling, trying to get out of it, get anywhere but on me. And um, so we walked in the bathroom, and there's this woman changing a blowout diaper for her six-month-old on the changing table. And this thing was all over. It was breastfed poop, definitely. It was like bright mustard yellow. Mm -hmm. It was up and down her back. It was everywhere. I personally have only experienced that once over five kids. Like it was so much. Wow. And the poor thing was crying her head off. So we go in to the bathroom. I hold him over the toilet. I squat in front of the public toilet. He poops in it. I don't even have to wipe him because it comes out clean most of the time in that squat position. And then mm -hmm. I, um, on my lap, I just put the diaper back on him, put him back in the carrier, walk out. She's still changing the blowout diaper. And bless their hearts, I, my heart broke for them. I was just like, oh, if you only knew you could avoid that. And you don't even have to try. Like it's their instincts. They want that. So um, somebody did a study of a 1,000 e-seed babies recently. And the average age of poop um, trained, poop done with poop training was six months, like done. Wow. So that, that's probably, so yeah, what I would say to somebody who feels overwhelmed, don't try to do it all, but know that this could help you just to become a better mom overnight. And you can start in such a tiny way, um, that can take, just start with the poops. I told you I hated changing those diapers when I was 11 years old. Mm -hmm. That was my main thing. I was like, oh, anything I catch in the potty is bonus points. And it's yeah. not like, it's not all or nothing though. I want everybody to, to, to hear me on this. Like you do not have to do this all or nothing. If you, if you only do once a day, it is enough. And I have a lot of people who do that and then they potty train at two or at 18 months and it's like a breeze. Yeah. It's, the, it's joyous. They've said it's joyous. Who calls potty training joyous? <laughs> yeah, not me. <laughs> it's like, it's like it's so easy. So yeah. That's what I would say. I, I don't, I don't want anybody to feel pressured or guilty or bad, but I do know, I, I know from experience, this takes a huge, also you don't have to potty train, but this is, here's the other thing. This frees them up for learning. So the earlier you get them out of diapers, the better. Now they can go to the next developmental task, but it also simultaneously normalizes their behavior. So you've got a kid whose instincts are saying, don't pee and poop on yourself. Don't do this in front of other people. Like they want privacy at eight months old. 
and they're doing this in front of people in the living room. Mm-hmm. So you've got somebody who like gets wound up and is really hyperactive because they are literally being chased around the house by their own waste that they can't get off of them. Mm-hmm. So potty training and EC actually takes their behavior down a few notches and helps them to feel like grounded and good. And they, they don't have to be so hyperactive. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm it sure does. That. And your kids and other kids, like they, they go nuts. Yeah. It's okay for kids to go nuts, but if they were out of diapers, they wouldn't go as nuts. Like this is one thing that Montessori discovered. It normalizes behavior. Mm-hmm. So that, if, if that doesn't help your relationship and, and make your day easier, I don't know what does. Mm-hmm. A who is like really settled in self-esteem and everything is a joy to be around. Yeah. Well, and I will say too, you know, if I'm being honest, my motivation for starting to put my daughter on the potty at six months was because I hated cleaning cloth diaper poops after she started solids. And so we got to the point where within a few months, all of her poops pretty much happened on the the potty. And sometimes I would only put her on the potty once or twice a day, but she became very regular with her poop. So I knew when she was going to poop or when it was kind of getting to be that time. Um, And unfortunately that just hasn't worked out so far with my son. He's just a different person, but it did build my confidence with her. did like even just that one or two times a day of catching the poop on the potty and sometimes catching the pee on the potty that didn't happen it's often with her but it just it was like a yay kind of thing like every time we were just like so excited and it was just something to kind of look forward to and it made my life a little bit easier when I was cloth diapering um but I wanted doing it you were totally yeah and you were picking up on signals and signs too so you said that you weren't yeah yay yeah with her, with her, I could, and with my son, it just hasn't worked out, but, um, so I want to, yeah. So I want to pick your brain a little bit for a second about potty training. So from what you told me, zero to 18 months is elimination communication, 18 months and after would be potty training. And what you said earlier was, um, you made the point of like the belief in the, you know, respectful parenting community that you shouldn't have to force your child on the potty and et cetera. And I'm open to learning from you. My perspective right now is that, and and from what you're saying, everything's kind of clicking. And I actually do feel like maybe for those toddlers who haven't done any form of EC and we are trying to potty train them, it could venture into more coercion, more forcing. But I'm also thinking we're, it's like we're creating that that dilemma ourselves, not necessarily us, but just in general, because we're not starting with EC. We're not starting with following their cues and putting them on the potty. And it's almost like we could avoid that issue within the respectful parenting world in general, if we just would knew more about EC and started there. What do you think about that? Just expose them to the potty every day, like you did with your daughter. And you Mm -hmm. said you missed out on that with your son. Um, So you are where you are right now. And Here's the thing in my, in my potty training book, we call it ripping off the bandaid. So it's like what grandma would have done to potty train back in the fifties. She would have just said, all right, you're walking. I'm not washing these diapers anymore. We are stopping using diapers today and that's it. And then she would just teach him the ropes and, and figure and she knew his timing. Of course, every mom really does like my baby goes every two days around this time. Great. Use the information, you know, and then just start handing the keys over. This is yours now. And the only time they really resist is when, so we're setting boundaries for the first time. And that might feel like coercion to some in the respectful parenting world. I just did a podcast on RE, R-I-E, or RI. Mm-hmm. It's RI, right? Yeah, um, I think so. RI and EC and how they are actually, a lot of people thought they were not compatible, but I researched and went through every point where they actually are. 
Um, what's, what's different about my potty training method for people who find me too late, I had to write a book on it and it's like 15 months and up. We can go as low as 15 months with potty training. It is not easy. It is not gradual. It should not be. It is confusing when it's gradual. So when we are very clearly saying, okay, we've been doing this and now we're doing this. And a toddler is wired for mastery. A toddler wants to do something over and over and over and then, okay, I'm done. I'm moving on. And they definitely exert themselves and try to carry the very heavy thing up the stairs and they're, they're up for it, especially at 18 months. If you get any kind of resistance, it's usually because you need to change their receptacle or they need privacy. But how do you give them privacy if you don't really think they know what they're doing yet and you don't know what you're doing yet either? It mm -hmm. becomes this conundrum, right? So um, the biggest tip, well, first of all, I would definitely read my book in full and schedule the potty training days and do it exactly as it says. And that's for somebody listening who's like, okay, I really don't even want to try to wing this because I feel like I might mess it up and I don't want to pressure my child, but I definitely want to just, I don't want to use diapers anymore now that I know this. So just follow my plan exactly and it will work. And it's an average of seven days. And the reason it works is because you are now moving from, I have a baby to, I have a young toddler who really needs to own this. And I know that this child deserves this. So I'm going to give it as a gift. So when you're doing the potty training process, it's moving them to the potty every time they start to go. And there's varying levels of, do we have pants on? Do we do outings? Do we have pants and outings? So we progress on the ladder um, with like, your son doesn't like the potty, you said? He still doesn't. And I've tried some of your tips. I've tried three different potties. I've tried to give him privacy. He just screams and cries and wants me to hold him. Yep. Okay. So, so there's that conflicting desire of, I really want to do this, but I also really am attached to you and want to be with you. But I also kind of need this privacy thing that I've really been feeling since about eight months old that I haven't been able to tell you about. So what we do with a child like that, which is honestly, most children will do that at some point in the process is we get a toilet seat reducer. We put it on the toilet. And I don't do screen time in my home, but I do have um, a toilet seat reducer that has characters on it. And so, hey, it's time to go pee on Elmo. And it's got Elmo on and they can look at it and point at it while they're sitting on it. And what you want to do is put them on it and then get far enough away to where they won't dive into your arms. And honestly, at 18 months, <laughs> I line the ground with pillows, blankets, whatever the first time. If they try to dive, dive off, they'll do it once and they'll never do it again. Mm -hmm. I've had one of my five try it one time. And there were pillows and stuff or blankets or towels and she was fine. She never did it again. So what I did is put her on it. And this is just to make a statement in the beginning of, hey, this is a boundary. This is where our poop and pee goes from now on. And for that, it might feel like coercion to some, but it's actually just, if I didn't have diapers, what would I do? I would, I would actually say, no, this is where you have to go. This is the only place that you can put your waste that is going to be healthy for you and us. So it becomes this like, you know how it's just, we can mm -hmm. relax and use the diapers and like be more laid back because of it. But if we didn't have a choice, what would we do? So I put them on the, on the toilet seat and then say, oh, I forgot something. I'll be right back. Go out into the kitchen while I'm on my way out. I'll listen right outside the door. Right when I leave sight, they stop fussing and they'll pee. And then pretty soon, you don't have to be but a couple feet away. Pretty soon, you can be standing right next to them and they'll sit on it willingly. So with that, like the won't sit, I have a whole podcast on that. Um, I that need to listen to that one. <laughs> There are so many people who write me, Taylor, and they're like, oh, I tried the one thing you taught in your class and I did it and I walked away to go get something and he peed right when I went around the corner mm -hmm. and we're now on track and now he gets it and we are totally like 
this is it. Yeah. So that's one idea. I have, I have lots, but I think it's about boundary setting and it's about how do you feel about it and how do you want to go about it? Mm -hmm. it? If it, if after reading those parts of the book, you're like, this doesn't sound like me, but you have an even stronger desire to get him out of diapers. This book is built with EC in mind. Like we're respecting where they're at developmentally. Mm -hmm. And it is your first chance to be like, okay, this is a a learning situation, which is what French word for discipline is learning. I think there's something there where you're you're actually teaching is discipline. You're not being uh, authoritarian and all of that, but you're being assertive and saying, all right, this is where the pee and poop goes now. And you got this, man. You've got Mm -hmm. this. You're a big boy. Yeah. And the less you talk about it, the less fear you show. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you freaking out inside? Are you like, oh, he hates the potty. I'm doing this terribly. Notice that and like just really get your game face on and like, okay, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be zen. Yeah. And freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need to listen to that podcast because I went a few days. I was like more, um, more w- wanting to try the potty and figure out my, my little guys like timing and, and cues and things like that. And I think, I mean, I probably said I'm on the potty 20 times every day for like two or three days. And I think I caught one P like, it was really frustrating because I just wasn't catching it. And I wasn't like knowing when he was going, it was just really frustrating. So I need to listen to your podcast. You, you do. So actually the book I sent it, to I read Yeah. And I read, I read like skimmed through the, the important parts of the book, but then I was like, I just, I don't think I have. So this is my other question. Do you think that based on your method, you know, you have to spend like a day or two, I can't remember exactly how many, but you really have to like not plan any outings, at least like one day and just be there. And like, I just like, can't find a time that I actually have that. And I know a lot of parents, like their children might go to daycare. They might have other caregivers. And what do you do? Is this possible when you're not the only caregiver or you have a busy schedule and you just can't make that time to really just do it for a few days? Yes. And I I can even send you this one. There's a podcast on this as well. There was this woman who's a full-time teacher and had her child in daycare full-time. And just at the times when she was home with her, they would use the potty, the four easy catches. So they would just Mm -hmm. kind of just do the gradual, very low, low, just really low effort, um, wake ups before and after the bath. And if they were pooping and they would set them on it, right. Um, or her on it. And then when it came time to potty train it too, um, they had to show the daycare a video that showed, look, she's potty trained at home. And once they're poop trained at home, you can send them in a cloth training pant, which my, my store, Tiny Undies, has all the really good training pants where you can pull, put a cloth pull-up cover over them and they can go to daycare and they won't freak out the teachers. Like if they're poop trained at home, they're good. So what a lot of people do is they will train on the weekend. They'll start Friday right after work and then not plan anything for a Saturday and a Sunday. Like what would you do if your brother was getting married or what would you do if somebody in your family got sick? You would make time. So this is just a matter of like, okay, no no time is ideal. I'm busy too, I have two businesses, I, I get it. But like what two day weekend could you do this? And then you do it and then you would stop and use a diaper as a backup, and then you would do it again the next weekend. But honestly, at 18 months, usually if you do exactly as it says in the book, it usually only takes a couple of days. Mm-hmm. So you're getting over the hump, and then you're trusting. And then that's the hardest part, right? Going, all right, I'm going to put you in underwear, and I'm going to trust this, and 
during the potty training process, you learn their timing, but you don't set them on it just whenever 20 times. I'm sorry, you didn't do it wrong, but like <laughs> setting anybody listening, like if you set them on there 20 times in a day and you only catch one thing, it's, there's a reason for that. In the potty training process, the way I teach it, you bring them to the potty or the potty to them every time they're actually going. Mm -hmm. So that only, it's like potty training a puppy. You only say, go potty when they're actually going potty. You name it while they're doing it. This is the same way with my potty training method. So when they're actually peeing is when you bring them to the potty and yeah. other times. And so that's, that's just like a little, you know, it, it is hard to make time for it. And that really comes down to the individual parent. But as they get older, it gets harder. Every single month that goes by, it gets harder and harder. So that can be a nice motivation of, why don't we just do it now and just mm -hmm. get it done with and make it like operation potty train and um, get somebody who can help you do that. Like if you have somebody who can do the cooking and cleaning while you're doing the potty training, or you can like pass the baton and some of you take a couple hours and the other hours, it can be fun. I have one couple, they're a military family and they're like, yeah, they literally called it operation potty training and they took it as if it were a mission. <laughs> <laughs> and they had so much fun doing it. It's it can be a party, like it can be really fun. Um, yeah, and Bill has gone before you. It's yes. okay. You're gonna be all That's right. true. Yes, <laughs> that is true. Okay, well, this has been great. Um, I where Andrea, where can people find you? Where can they learn more about all of this? What resources do you have? The first place I would start, if you're serious, if you're curious, I have free classes and I have um, free easy start guides and stuff at godiaperfree.com. Then you can dip your little toe in and see how you like it. If you are after listening to this totally serious, just go straight for my books. Um, one of them is Go Diaper Free, that's for EC. And the other one is Tiny Potty Training Book. And those are both on my website. And it clearly says what age range is for what. If you're in that middle space of 15 to 18 months, I would skip EC and just go for potty training because it's just going to take a lot less time and it'd be a lot mm -hmm. more straightforward. Um, I also have a podcast, the Go Diaper Free podcast and a YouTube channel and all my handles everywhere are at Go Diaper Free. And then when you get out of diapers early, we've got tiny undies, ages six months and up. They are freaking adorable. I wish I had some so I can show you. Um, they are so cute. And then we have little short potties and newborn potties because if you don't have the right tools, it can mean the difference between it working or not. Um, and so we have all this stuff just in case you need it. And you can find that at tinyundies.com too. And I, I, that's been like super fun because when I started out, I didn't have underwear would fall right off of him mm -hmm. nine months old out of diapers. It was terrible. And then the training pants, he would like pee straight through them. It'd be like a waterfall. Yeah. I made really good training pants. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And I actually, we got tiny undies because my daughter, when I was ready to start, like kind of offering undies, that's kind of how I did. I like offered undies. I said, you have a choice between diapers and undies when she was like maybe two and a half, but she's so petite. And I remember like I got two T or 24 month trainers. And they were huge on her at like two and a half years old because she's just teeny. And I found someone recommended tiny undies to me and I found them and I love them. They're so cute. And so we get tiny undies now, but I'm so glad oh, they're um, so fun. They're so, yeah. And I'm so glad you found it. We have so many people in our followings that are the same. We have so much. Over yeah. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your wisdom with us. I think this is just such an interesting conversation and I'm excited to learn more about EC maybe for the next baby, if there's a next one. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Taylor. 
Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe and leave a review if you feel called to. It really helps our message reach more parents. You can also follow me on Instagram at Taylor Kulik for similar content or visit my website at www.taylorkulik.com. I offer online courses where we really dive into infant and toddler sleep holistically. And we also offer one-to-one holistic sleep support services if you're looking to improve your child's sleep or shift patterns without sleep training. If you know a parent who would benefit from this podcast, please share. And if you'd like to financially support this podcast to allow me to create more episodes more often, you can visit anchor.fm slash Taylor I hope you'll join me next time.